fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile And welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive. This is an afternoon special show, one of many. Coming up, Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Road Street Journal. We're paving your way to fantasy excellence. We're your lead blocker, just like always. I, of course, am your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Road Street himself. And like I said, this is an eight-part series. We're going to hit every division in the freaking NFL. NFC this week, AFC next week. Uh, Wolf, how you doing, man? It's been a while. I'm stoked. I know it's been a real long time. I'm excited to be back on the air. The people have been clamoring for the truth to get back here. So I'm pumped that you are here and ready to just dive in and let me know what my projections are looking like. It's first time I've ever done it. So I'm thrilled to bring it to you. There was tons of research that went into these tons of tools and people have questions about how you do it. We'll not be more than happy to. Our main tool we use was over at Rotoviz, their projection machine which is a fantastic tool, uh, but they have so many other researching that just went into this. I'm so excited to launch them, and we're going to actually be releasing them on the website as part of our package, too. We'll get more of that detail, part of the investing guide. Uh, the first kind of premium thing we're ever going to offer is releasing these, but if you're tuned into the video, you'll get a sneak peek at these, and we'll update them throughout the summer as more and more news and training camp develops come in. Yeah, the tool uh, that you use for your projections is pretty awesome. Once I learned how to use it, you had to teach me because, you know, I'm older and a little slower with some of the tech stuff that you kids are using nowadays. Once you walked me through it, man, that thing is amazing. It's got so much power uh, and and it's awesome. I basically compared your projections, which I imagine took you a really long time because you did everybody. Um, And I compared those to your big board. It was really interesting. Some of them matched up perfectly, some of them not so much. So I'm kind of calling your projection picks like your data logical picks that you actually broke down and then your big board's more like your gut because there's clearly some guys you believed in less than the numbers that you projected and some guys you believed in way more than the numbers you projected not too many but we're going to talk about them um you ready to get right into it we're going to go nfc west today i think we just dive right in yeah absolutely that's a great way to compare the head versus the heart and let's see where they're spot on and where there might be some discrepancies and why that might be. So I I can't wait to dive in. Let me bring in the projections there so you can see them. And we'll start right here with the Cardinals, right? Yeah. Arizona Cardinals. uh, What do you think? Sexy team? I don't know. I think uh, I wish they were a whole lot sexier. I I had this big belief that, (laughs) you know, under Cliff Kingsbury, they were going to become this crazy air raid. And it's really been a lot more dinking and dunking than, what I expected. It, it hasn't really translated that college level success they were having over there. It hasn't come to the NFL level and that can kind of be expected. I still think there's plenty of fantasy juice on this roster because of who's at the top, Kyler Murray. And I always, as we're going to go through these projections, you'll see you start with the team level inputs. And I really like that. There hasn't been any major changes here. So I'm expecting something pretty similar to last year, which was about a 56% uh, pass and, and 42 or 54, you know, 45 or so percent rush, as you can see there. And that would equate to about 620 pass attempts for 42. So we're looking at the, the pies first, and then we talk about how we think they're going to be distributed. So do you think I seem like a, a nutcase for that, Nat, or does that seem pretty reasonable? No, uh, I don't think pies? you seem like a nutcase. There's plenty yeah. of stuff you seem nutty for, but yeah, that makes sense to me. 
Um, you want me to talk about some of the fantasy relevant, actually all of the fantasy relevant guys for that matter. You want me to yeah, mind as well. All right. Let's talk Kyler Murray. He's the guy, you know, dripping sex appeal as far as fantasy goes. Your big board, you got Kyler as your QB three and by projections, you got him as your QB five. So I mean, that's right in the same ballpark. Obviously you really like the guy. One thing that I noticed, and this isn't just with you, this seems to be on a lot of the lists out there. Uh, running quarterbacks, just huge premiums, seems like. Oh, yeah. You can get stuff on the ground. Uh, it just makes you so much more valuable. I think you end up – you have Murray's stat line at 29 touchdowns, 14 picks, which is good, not great. But, I mean, what he's doing with his legs, I'm assuming, uh, makes up the difference. I think you have him actually as your second-ranked rushing quarterback on the season behind just Lamar Jackson. Which makes perfect sense after the year he had last year. Very involved at the stripe. So I have him right now for eight touchdowns. I believe he hit 10 last year. So I, I think they're going to try to run him less. That's not the goal. He's even come out and said, you know, I want to preserve myself. I want to run less. But when push comes to shove, this offense has only been dangerous when he's using his legs and is unpredictable. Otherwise, Cliff Kingsbury really hasn't shown a whole ton as a play caller. So, yeah, you know, 620 attempts right in the middle of the pack of the, the NFL 4,500 yards, 29 TDs to 14 ints is mediocre in terms of passing wise. But I really think that that what we call the Konami code, because of how big of an edge it is in fantasy football, that rushing upside is still there with Kyler. Uh, So, yeah, I have him ranked as my QB three, just given what he did last year. Uh, He was unstoppable until he got a little dinged up uh, in the last quarter of the season or so. And then he really trailed off. But, man, if he could stay healthy all year. These projections are going to potentially be a low ball. I'm just worried because of how small he is and yeah. how often he runs. No, same same concerns as a guy who grew up a Michael Vick fan. Uh, yeah, I've seen yeah. it happen before. Uh, all right, let's talk running backs. This I this is like a backfield that I want no part of at all. I mean, yeah. I, this is the thing that I hate so much. You still got to rank them. I mean, somebody's still going to draft them. Uh, you got your James Conner. And Chase Edmonds, two-headed monster, if you could really call it that. I don't know. Uh, And what was interesting looking at your rankings is you got these guys pretty much right next to each other on your big board. You got Edmonds at 32. You got Connor at 34. But when you look at projections, you actually have Edmonds 14 spots higher than Connor. You actually have him as your RB24 uh, and Connor as your RB38. You've got him getting a relatively even workload. But Edmonds getting a lot more receiving work, but you've also got Connor finding the end zone on the ground more. Uh, Production-wise, you got Edmonds significantly higher on the board, but your gut seems to put him right about even. Yeah, it's so. I, it's one of those situations. It's so tricky to to figure out how this is going to shake out. But I think exactly how you described. Much higher receiving upside with Edmonds, who's been by far the more efficient backs on a yards-per-touch basis. I believe he ranked the top five last year. They just never fully seemed ready to hand him any type of full workload. And I don't think you know, they let Drake go, and it seems like maybe they'll let him go. And all the buzz earlier and before the, the camp started in OTAs was, this is just a competition in name. Uh, they, you know, Edmonds is their back bell cow for the future. And that just hasn't been the case. They're in early camp. They're saying it's a 1A, 1B situation. They're alternating uh, all the early work. And one crazy stat with Edmonds, and, and as you said, Connor's significantly projected higher for rushing touchdowns, is 
Edmonds has only had one career goal line carry uh, his entire career. Meanwhile, we've seen Connor serve as a a very quality goal line back. For all his faults, he is a bruiser. He breaks through tackles, and I think that's going to carry over. His running back coach from the Steelers is now there with the Cardinals. So that's why you can see I have him projected for more rushing carries, more rushing touchdowns. I think he shoulders more of the ground high, but Edmonds does his damage much more as a receiver. So 87 targets, pretty high projection for Edmonds, 64 of them being caught for 467 and five TDs. That's pretty close to what he did last year with a little bit of a bump up now that I see him getting some more work with a little more rushing volume. I don't think this is like a a James Conner steps right into Kenyon Drake's role, who was top three in goal line carries last year. Uh, But I just see it more of that. Edmonds has the the high, high receiving upside, could potentially take over as a a bell cow. And clearly, you know, my projections say I must be higher on him. And that must be full PPR projections, too, at the 64. I think he could end up being towards the top in running back receptions among the league. Uh, But I just think there's going to always be James Conner, as you can see, eating into the the rushing workload, especially at the stripe. And that just kind of carries Edmonds down uh, below my rankings, below some guys I think could really separate his true every down bell cows. And if you're buying into a backfield, the last phrase you want to hear is running back 1A and running back 1B. Never. You do not want to hear that ever, ever. Never. All right. Let's talk about the receiving core. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, the guy at the top, as he would be on pretty much any receiving core. Then you got Christian Kirk and the corpse of A.J. Green. And uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you got him ranked uh, six and five on your projections and big board, respectively. That sounds reasonable to me. Christian Kirk, you got at now, obviously, the discrepancies uh, and ranking between your lists. The, the lower down the list, uh, you know, the the less it's meaningful. You know, if you're 20 spots apart between 80 and 100 or something, it, it's not as big a deal as six spots apart in the top 10. Right. But you do have Christian Kirk projected as your wide receiver 64. And on your big board, you got him uh, down at 80, whereas you got A.J. Green at 78 and 89 on your big board. I actually think even down at 89, A.J. Green's probably being overvalued. <laughs> and I think uh, absolutely maybe undervalued. Yeah, maybe. And here's the thing, though, and I'm going to actually do a little bit of an update today. This is one of the few things I, I still have left to update. Rondale Moore looked great in their preseason debut. I know there was no DeAndre Hopkins or AJ Green on the field. So you take that with a grain of salt. But they were force feeding this guy early on design screens, moving him into the backfield. And that's exactly what you wanted to see. The usage from. So when we talk about, you know, Chase Edmonds, I have this high reception total, but another reason I ranked him a little bit lower than my projections was I wouldn't be shocked if Ron Dale takes a lot of work out as a receiving back in the backfield. He's so explosive with the balls in his hand. So by the end of this next update, I think I'm going to have Ron Dale more moved up all the way to wide receiver two. And the, the big discrepancy there is I just, I think we've seen the best of Kirk. There's no real ceiling there anymore. The floor is okay. Yay, he'll have a couple big blow-up games. But to me, when you have an explosive talent like Rondale Moore there, I think he's going to really eat into that. And it's just going to be kind of that alpha DeAndre Hopkins, as you can see over here. I have him projected for a 26% target share. He was right around 30 last year. I think that's very fair for another 160 or so targets. Should be in the top of the NFL in that category. And then just a, a really tricky distribution between Edmonds and all the other receivers behind him. There's really none of those three guys that I'm going to be going out of my way for other than Rondell Moore, given how versatile his bat, his role could be and how they might force feed him touches. Somebody's going to draft AJ Green. There's yeah. a, as I was going through these 
lists every every couple teams i'd come to a guy and i would just be like i want no part of him somebody's gonna reach for this guy because he had a good season six years ago yeah and And, you know deandre hopkins is already raving about this guy like this is gonna be the best duo in the league he still has a step you talking about aj green yeah he was and i just don't buy it i mean you can see though i like aj green too but no come on right Exactly. And I guess this is, since this is a projection show, I know our viewers can see everything, but the, the listeners on the pod, we're going to be dropping this, you know, pretty much every night after we do these shows, uh, if not in the morning, the next day. So I want to make sure I just kind of reiterate what those numbers are. So I have, I have DeAndre Hopkins for 161 targets, 113 receptions, 1446 yards, seven TDs, uh, which again would bring him to, what did you say was my, my ranking for him overall, my projections for Hopkins? Yeah. You got him at six on your projections, five on your big board. Yeah, that seems to make perfect sense. Uh, then below him, as as Nat was saying, it's just kind of a mess. Kirk for 7-11 and four. A.J. Green, 505 and four. Rondell Moore, 689 and five. But I think there's going to be some some rushing work that comes with Rondell Moore as well. So, again, out of all these guys, Rondell, definitely the most intriguing behind DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and and as, as we said, the backfield, just 616 and a TD. For Edmonds, just one TD, that one goal line carry. 64 receptions and 87 targets is where you're getting your money. Uh, and then 6-5-6 for James Conner with eight rushing touchdowns is what I expect given how much they rush Drake at the goal line. I think that goes much more to Conner than it will Edmonds, plus another 20 you know, catches or so for him. So those are the, the uh, projections. I'll make sure to, Matt, to do that a little bit cleaner with the other teams, but I just remembered right. we have a this is, a... this is the first team out of 32 we're doing, and I haven't been on a pod in a couple months, so we're – We're we're working it out. Uh, I will say we're about out of our 10 minutes for Arizona, which is good because uh, we're not going to even talk about their tight end. No, (laughs) it's it's nothing to bring up. Dan Arnold was there last year. He was irrelevant, but still more relevant. Who who is the tight end? Let me scroll down. Max Williams. Oh, good. Yeah, let's let's worry about him and the 200 yards and a touchdown he's going to have this year. Big game, Max. Yeah, (laughs) big game, Max. Exactly. So, yeah, we could turn our attention to the next team. And this was one of my favorite teams to project the LA Rams. Rams. I, yeah, man. Yeah. I actually, I really enjoyed pretty much this whole division. I enjoyed uh, Arizona was probably my least favorite of them, but let's, let's get into the Rams right now. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, changes, obviously some personnel changes, the main one, the quarterback, but like what else is going on? Were you expecting to see more of the same that you saw last year? So yes, entering the year and then Cam Akers got hurt. So where you look at these aerial pies, the overall, again, how we're going to start this is looking at the big picture of the team. Uh, I at first had this for more of like a 55% pass, 45% run ratio. That would be historically in line. McVay's even been a little run heavier than that, but I said, okay, you know, maybe Matthew Stafford, they get a little more pass happy, uh, 55, 45. And then you lose Cam Akers, your foundational backfield piece I think they could end up being one of the pass happiest teams in the league. Nobody adjusts to what they're given quite like McVay. I, I think he is very good at playing the hand he's dealt uh, as, as anybody in the league. So I ended up bumping up the pass attempts to now 643. That's going to be top five in the league compared to everybody else. Uh, and now down to 420. So one of the more pass happy uh, teams versus run heavy teams. And that's, again, not in line with what his history has typically been, but what I think is going to happen given the current roster he has. All right. Well, I mean, you expect them to be a pass-happy team, and you got Stafford actually on your big board ranked 10th. Projection-wise, you actually only have him 15th, and this is interesting. This is going to work into 
uh, a kind of weird discrepancy between Stafford and his two top receivers that I'm hoping we can talk about. Uh, you've got him passing for almost 5,000 yards, and that's only behind Tom Brady and Dak Prescott, if, if Dak Prescott even plays uh, this game. We'll see. Um, so you like Stafford. You like him more than the numbers that you actually ended up punching in for him. Yeah, it, it's tricky because that's where the Konami code, that upside we talked about, comes in. He's a statue. He's, he doesn't have much mobility at all. So you're not going to get money, you know, much, if any, of those bonus points that come with the, the, the rushing upside. There's none of that with Stafford. And that probably plays into him going down a bit to 15. He's going to have to lead the league in yardage and pass attempts to really crack that top 10. I think he also has a good chance of doing that, though, uh, in terms of pass TDs and passing yards. The best weapons, uh, beyond obviously those Calvin Johnson years, he's had in quite some time, though, with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and just by far the best play calling. We've seen what McVay's been able to accomplish on offense with, with Jared Goff. I mean, Jared Goff was a top 10 quarterback in three of the four seasons there, and that's Goff. I really think Stafford could, could blow the doors off. Um, and, and 34 pass touchdowns, I think there's upside for a lot more now. When I was projecting it out, it's like, okay, so who are all who's going to be the one catching all these? And they don't have these monstrous receivers, but they do have Woods and Cup, like two of the the best in the intermediate range at, at getting deep when they need to. So I have them projected for 24% and 23% market share, and that would lead to 154 targets for Woods, 148 for Cup. And I, I had Woods hauling about 68% of those in line with his career details uh, for, for averages so far. 105 receptions, 1,312 yards, and eight TDs for Robert Woods. And Cup not too far behind at 1,296, nine TDs on 108 receptions, a little bit higher of a reception total given his he works that intermediate, not quite the deep threat. So a little bit lower yards per receptions, a little more receptions. Uh, and I, if I'm not mistaken that, these two ended up being top 12 wide receivers in my projections. Oh, yeah, I, I do want to address that. And before I do real quick, Mitch Chavez just uh, – uh, posted a comment. He said, are these projections with 17 games in mind or 16? I'm only wondering as I'm surprised you don't have a couple quarterbacks over 5,000 yards. Do you use 17 or 16? Yeah, I did use 16. Um, I mean, not 17 rather. Oh, that's okay. what I was we, like, yeah. come on. Well. No, no, no. It, it's, I, and that's a really good question, Mitch. We should have said that right at the top. That's kind of what made this projection process for the first year of ever doing it a little bit trickier because now we have to factor in another game. Uh, but there's, it's such a rare feat, and you look at Stafford's career averages, like he's kind of tiptoed towards 4,700 a couple years. I think this kind of – all of them are, Mitch, to sum it up, projected with 17 games in mind uh, for sure. So that did make it tricky by first year ever doing it, and some stats might seem a little inflated. There's only a couple QBs, though, that I have projected yeah. You got, uh, you got two for 5,000. So let, let's get into the receivers. I know we want to talk about Henderson a little bit too, so we can move on, uh, not take too long. But I do want to talk about Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. You actually, so actually your projections for them, you have Woods as your wide receiver eight and you have Cup as your wide receiver nine. Now cool. on your big board, you dialed that back to Woods at 14, Cup at 16. So this is one of like the prime examples of like, you, you punched in the numbers. They came up with big numbers, and then you just didn't have the stomach to make these guys top ten receivers on your big board. This would be like the sixth time in history, by the way, based on your projection. Uh, the wide receiver duo has a hundred catches and a thousand yards. Wow! I, I think. I, I want to. 
And you look at him, it's like, who are they really have? Let me bring these guys back in. I, I know it just went gone for a second here. There's just not a whole lot of competition in terms of the target totem pole. They have been about 20 to 25% market shares since they arrived there under McVay. It just has been a lot fewer uh, pass attempts, which is where, again, I'm kind of taking the leap of faith and saying that's going to be the big difference here with the Rams. They're going to be chucking it all over the place in 2021, given the, the backfield injuries. And so it's a tricky projection because that, and I guess that's probably why there's a little bit of that discrepancy. Maybe I do need to bump these guys up just a little bit more. It's just so tricky too. When you look or, at the names or around, maybe not, maybe, maybe you don't need to bump them up. I mean, like, are you going to pick, are, are you going to pick Robert Woods as your eighth wide receiver? Probably not. Right. Cause I think I have him like, and then again, PPR projections, given how many catches I'm projecting this guy for, Maybe a little bit higher than like a DK Metcalf. Is you what got, yeah, you got Metcalf at 12th. We're going to talk right. about that later. You like Woods and Cup more than Metcalf? No. Again, what I that's exactly where it comes down, like the head versus the, right, right. the heart, right? Now, now, in fairness to you, since I just blew up your spot with DK, on your big board, you have DK 6 and those guys 14, 16. So, like, no, you wouldn't take them over DK. But it's just no. interesting with the numbers. Um then you kind of got to look look in the mirror on him and just be like, wow, do I really believe this? And I know you've done the work. So I, do you believe it? Do you think these guys are both just going to have monster, monster years? I really do. And that's what I think makes them such great draft picks, Nat, is you can get them in round four, uh, sometimes even towards the round and you know, beginning of round five for Cooper Cup. And I do think they genuinely have that wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine in them. I mean, Wood has been right around that cusp, like 12, 13, 14 over his last few years. Now with the best quarterback of his career and what I project to be the best, most pass-happy attack, I think that this is the year both of them really eat. So I believe it. It's just also when you look at DK Metcalf and you're like, okay, this is the freak of all freaks. Even if these guys project a little bit better when I enter the numbers, I can't pass up on the freak of all freaks uh, for him. You know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah. This is interesting. That's why I really like that. You've got these two separate lists going. Uh, It's, it's fun to compare and contrast. Um, Let's get into the running back real quick. Let's talk about Henderson, obviously replacing acres. You got him as your uh, RB 17 and RB 20, nine touchdowns, hundred and almost 1100 rushing yards, 360 receiving yards, solid season. I mean, you know, your list, you see him pretty much the same on each. Yeah, you know, 270-ish touches is going to be top 10 most likely among running backs if he hits my projections here. And the team is reportedly all in, according to the latest ESPN report from Jeremy Fowler on this guy. They're not planning to sign any veterans. So after him, I mean, you look at the backfield, and it's what, Xavier Jones, undrafted free agent, Jake Funk, a seventh-round pick. As long as Henderson stays healthy, I think he's going to be seeing 18-ish to 20 touches per game. Was seeing that last year, even with Akers there to start the year, uh, before Akers really had his takeover. I can see Henderson having himself a monster year. It is just a matter of health, which he has not been able to sustain at the NFL level. But they're giving him the the starter's treatment. They're not using him at all this entire preseason. I think what becomes interesting is behind him, who is going to be that running back to if something happens to Henderson? Right now, I clearly have that as Xavier Jones, 130 for 508 and four TDs which I think could go significantly higher if Henderson does suffer himself an injury there. He was the first man up in the preseason action this week, looked significantly better than Jake Funk on similar amounts of touches. So I do have him for 508 and 4, but Funk, if you're really, really deep leagues, should be someone on your radar too. I could see him also sneaking in. Right now I've got him projected for nothing, 
but just a name to keep on your radar in case there's an injury or you get into really deep leagues because it is one of the more uncertain uh, backfields after Henderson for sure. All right, last but not least, Tyler Higby at tight end. You got him as eight on both of your lists, actually. You like him for 68 catches, eight touchdowns. Uh, who was the guy that when, when he was out, Higby performed really well last year? That was Gerald Everett, who's now right, at the right, right. Box. <laughs> right, right. I knew I, I couldn't remember who it was, but I knew there was some guy that every time he didn't play, Higby went nuts. Yeah, in 2019, he had a ridiculous five-game stretch where he was by far the number one tight end and the number one scoring receiving option uh, for across the board besides two receivers. It was an insane split where he was on pace for like 16 touchdowns, 1,800 yards, and clearly I'm not protecting that. I've got him here at no. 68 catches, 782 yards, and eight touchdowns. But you have him so, as a respectable tight end option. Definitely, to, yeah. you know, there's, and there is the upside that those touchdowns could really hit 12. Uh, it's that big body in the red zone again without Everett's presence there. The thing is, is early preseason, you're already seeing Jacob Harris get used really creatively on downfield routes. This nice rookie they've already talked up as like a new toy for McVay. So I'm not going to go overly ambitious on Higby. Uh, I have him projected, as you can see here, for a 14% target share, which is the next up after those two big name receivers. You got, you know, other than them too, Deshaun Jackson coming in for about a 10% target share. He'll do his thing with 595, five TDs, averaging 17 yards a catch. Good for best ball, but I just don't know if you're ever going to be able to project it. I'm not in the Van Jefferson club. I only have him for like 250 and two as of right now to round out those projections. All right, let's move on to the Seahawks. You got that one up next? I got him right here. All right, Seattle Seahawks. Obviously, you got your guy Russell Wilson at the top as usual. Um, are they going to – I mean, what are what are the big changes, if any, in the offseason that we should be looking at? I feel like we know the Seahawks really well. We have a certain sense of what kind of team they are. Are they still that kind of team? Well, that's a great question, Nat, because they did fire Brian Schottenheimer after years of him being the bane of fantasy owners' existence, <laughs> running just – non- Russ is throwing on pace. We're not letting Russ cook? Never letting Russ cook. He was on pace for nearly 52 touchdowns last year. Uh, the, the midway point ended up throwing only 12 over the second half of the season compared to 24 in his first eight games. Literally, I cut his touchdowns in half because they just went back into the shell uh, as a turtle. And and finally, they they fired this guy. He's gone, and that does give me a little faith. They might shake things up, but who they bring in? Shane Waldron over from the the Rams. You know who we we're just talking about. He was their passing game coordinator. We've obviously seen a great explosive. Pass attack. We had Bob Condota on the podcast not too long ago. Said they're using a ton more motion, a lot more unique snap formations, a lot of different audibles and plays. They can come out of the same. Everything looks the same, and they do all these motions to confuse the defense. He thinks it's going to be just a much more varied, diverse attack. But he didn't think it's going to be a significantly pass happier attack, mm. given as we said, McVay is based on the run, the play action marrying the run in pass games. So he does think it's still going to be a heavy leaning on the run, especially as long as Pete Carroll is always there. So he did caution us, even though he's going to be a more creative attack, a little bit more downfield, and as well as letting his receivers get more yak opportunities, he did caution us overreacting and thinking, okay, now suddenly Russ is going to be slinging it 650 times a year. He didn't buy that at all. Now you do like Russ's projections. I mean, you got him as your QB six slash QB seven. You like him for 39 touchdowns against only nine picks. You like him for 500 rushing yards, only getting in the end zone twice. Those are real numbers. You like him slightly less than Kyler Murray, basically. Yeah, just a little bit less. I think he has a little bit less of that Konami upside. He's not quite the athlete that Kyler Murray is. He doesn't have quite – 
you know, that, that type I mean, of upside rushing wise. Pretty good athlete. Still a good athlete, though. Still a very good athlete and maybe the best arm besides, you know, Mahomes and a handful of others in the league, as, as accurate of a deep passer as you can find. So, yeah, 4,600 yards, as you said, 39 to 10 touchdown interception ratio. Still thinking this guy has a great year. That's pretty in line with what we've come to expect with Russ. It's just not what I was hoping to project, like Russ cooking all over the place, that early season monster we had. I, I think we see that every now and again, but it's not going to be that crazy eight-game stretch now suddenly for the, the full season. No. I think he's going to have a good, solid, dependable rush year that we've come to know and expect, uh, but nothing. I, I don't think this Waldron change is going to significantly boost uh, his stock. All right, a running back, uh, it's the Chris Carson show, as usual. You've got him projected as your RB15 on your big board, RB17, so you're right in the same ballpark. You like him for about 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns, but noteworthy, in my opinion, you also have Rashad Penny scoring nine times. Um, oh, I think I that's like, a five there, Nat, <laughs> not nine. Oh, no way. Really? Oh, receiving touchdowns, yes, way yeah, too yeah, many. Yeah. No, you're I right. Mean, yeah, that is – Did I read it wrong? Nope, you read it right, and that should not be the case. I don't know how that snuck in there. Okay, well, I mean, that's a whole thing I wrote. I was like, I've written here on my document, really? You think Rashad Penny's going to score nine times? Why? Good Lord, no. No, I just adjusted that. (laughs) Uh, So that might have a little bit of a hit to to Russ now going from 39 touchdowns to 36, taking those away. Maybe he scores one through the air. He's losing points right here before the season even starts. Yeah, there's no way that happens. So all you bloggers out there that were ready – to, you know, put out a hit piece on the wolf like in Rashad Penny way more than you thought he should. You can just put away your keyboards because yeah. that was a typo. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was that was a typo. No nine touchdown seasons come for Rashad Penny, who they are saying looks lighter, looks faster in camp. Uh, Kadota was saying if this guy is looking this good throughout the season, he should get about uh, a third to you know maybe even forty percent of the workload. And that's kind of how they've always done it with Carson. He's always the guy for 60 ish percent of the work. And there's always some people, whether it's Hyde, Matt, you know, there's always somebody, Alex Collins waiting there, but Carson is going to be that guy. Uh, And early in that season last year, he was a top seven running back in that offense when it was cooking. But as I said, I don't know that I expect him to get fully cooking where I did project him for a decent bump though, with Waldron, they, they married the run and pass games, which means they throw to the running back a lot out of play action. Carson is a, Carson's a good receiver. He is a good receiver. Sneaky good. Not a lot of people give him enough credit for it. So I have him projected now for 64 targets and 51 receptions, 396 yards and two TDs through the air. That brings him to right around 1,400 total yards, 11 total TDs. If Carson can stay healthy, that's the thing. He's missed at least two games every single year. And it's tough to do these projections because it's you can't really work in like only 14 games played. I really wish you could. Because I'm not going to project him for a full season. That's, of course, if he played 17, what I think he does. Uh, so I, I would say you're going to get about that level of production for maybe 13 games is what I'm expecting out of him. All right. I mean, that's still a good season, like you said, around your RB15. Uh, receivers, DK and Tyler Lockett, obviously. We talked about DK a little earlier when we were talking about the Rams. You've got him projected as your wide receiver 12, but on your big board, you went up to six. I mean, he's a, about as sexy of a receiver option as possible. I did an absolutely terrible draft, dynasty draft, RSJ. I was not prepared coming in, but I did make sure I picked up DK because if there's anybody I want to root for for the next 10 years, it's probably that guy. You got Tyler Lockett as your 18 and 19, so you're pretty consistent there. You like them each to score 10 touchdowns. Uh 
I don't know. Personally, I mean, on your projection board, you got DK at 12, Lockett at 16. I think that's too close. I just think DK is a much more consistent option. Uh, Lockett did have a couple games where he just went crazy last year. But, man, I, I would imagine since their numbers from last year are pretty similar, I'd imagine he had a bunch of games where he did nothing, too. Yeah, he did. It, it was so boom or bust for Lockett, and I think it would probably be pretty similar this year. Now, that might stabilize a little bit as, as again, Waldron generating more yak opportunities. I do think a lot of the, that quick strike could play into both DK and Lockett's favor in terms of their catch percentages um, and all that. But I do have, as you see here, DK projected for 133 targets, the top of the totem pole. And I do, as you could set, as you said, have a, a big gap with my gut rankings in terms of instead of driving out the numbers here but Lockett might be the type that could be a little more dangerous in this type of system after the catch mm. now that DK can't do it he's one of the most dangerous threats he's in the league fast. but he is more dangerous I think when he's streaking down the field no matter who's with him you, you can't run with him he could leap over you and I still think he's going to be used much more in that way where I could see Lockett getting a bigger bump in those. He is also great downfield tracking him and Russ have that ridiculous chemistry. I think yak opportunities are going to be a little more plentiful for him. So in reception leagues, PPR full, I have actually Lockett projected for more receptions at 92, despite seeing less targets, 1,021 yards, 10 TDs, as you said, for both of them. So it, it, they are pretty close. And as you, there's, there's really not a, another receiver that I'm interested in from this offense. Those two at 23-22, they're going to take up over half of Russell's attention, uh, in my opinion, um, besides, of course, Gerald Everett. And that's where I think we're moving next. So before we move to Everett, I mean, obviously I'm a huge DK truther, but I mean, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you got DK at six, Lockett at 19 on your big board. I mean, if we think they're going to be even halfway comparable, is Lockett Lockett a steal? I mean, is Lockett somebody you might want to be – I mean, you know what I mean? I, I I don't know. That's a big discrepancy for guys who maybe kind of possibly would have similar numbers. Yeah. I I think I'm closer to almost bumping DK down than I would be bumping Lockett up. I guess what, where that comes in is DK was a little bit steadier throughout the year. Even though he is the bigger play guy, he, for whatever reason, had more consistent output, whereas Lockett would have that 50-point day on you know Sunday night football and then disappear for multiple weeks. And I did ask – Bob Condota, does that, does that get any more consistent? And he said, I don't know, maybe more hack opportunities, but I still think you're going to see a bit of that boom-bust nature for Tyler Lockett. So I think that's kind of baked into that discrepancy. Right. DK, you're going to get that more you, – you know what you're getting more often on a game-to-game basis, whereas Lockett, I think it's just a, a bit more boomer-busty. It's so cool to own DK, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's scary. The intimidation factor you bring to the, the fantasy field, your opponents see DK Metcalf lined against him. It's, right. you know, you could have 150 and two dropped on you in the first half. Like, you know, it's, it's, I love that's, that's probably why he's probably six. Right. That's exactly right. Room. That's why he's six. Right. You right. can say it. It's okay. Exactly. All right. Gerald Everett, real quick, finishing up. You got him as your tight end 14 on projections, tight end 16 on the big board. You like him for 62 catches and seven touchdowns. You got him as like a borderline, borderline starter. Yeah, and 93 targets is third on the totem pole here, and that's kind of in line with Bob was saying. He seems to be emerging as the number three weapon in the pass game here. Uh, so, yeah, a fringe starter. Now, Russell Wilson has, we saw with Jimmy Graham a few seasons ago, loved his tight ends in the red zone when he has the right guy, Jacob Hollister. Like We've, we've seen guys that are nobodies uh, put up these massive se- seasons touchdowns-wise, uh, whereas they're saying Everett is also bringing a bit more juice, and he comes over from Shane Waldron with the Rams bringing some of that juice too. So as you said, you know, 62 catches, six, five, one yards and seven touchdowns. The yardage isn't so high, but seven touchdowns. 
I could see that bumping up to 10 if he ends up really forging that chemistry, as we're saying there. So I think there's a bit of a ceiling there with Everett. He's kind of moving up into the, the tier of like high-end tight end twos. I don't want him as my starter, but if I can get him as my second, I'm pretty excited about it. All right, man. We just finished that with three seconds left on the clock, Wolf. That was really, really well. That was very efficient. Seattle Seahawks out of here. And now we're going to the last team in the NFC West. And this is going to be one of my favorite ones to talk about. Yeah. In some ways, this is like, to me, like the most uncertain team in the league. I don't know. I mean, at multiple positions. Certainly uh, in the division, at least, and maybe. Well, the right. league, I mean, yeah. I've only done. I haven't done the whole league yet, so possibly I'll I'll eat those words later. But this one was nuts. Um, t- tell us about changes first of all that you that you see aside from the obvious ones, maybe, and then uh, we'll talk about the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, uh, and then we'll close out the show. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is obviously at the quarterback position. Now we don't know when that change is going to happen. If my, my fingers still remain crossed. It happens in the preseason before week one. So we just know we're getting Trey Lance the entire season. Either way, if and when it happens, it's going to be a beautiful thing. I mean, this dude threw an 80-yard touchdown in his first preseason action. The, the parallels to like him and Mahomes that year when we were all in him on Mahomes in 2018 are, are just way – there's way too many signs. Like this is this year's Mahomes. I, I'm going to be going all in on Trey Lance even if my projections – don't have him as the highest quarterback. I think that's going to be one of the questions you might ask me, Nat. It is. Like, yeah. Oh, you have Trey Lance at like quarterback 10, but he's only 20 something in your projections. Well, that's because I don't think he plays the full season, but I do think the the eight to 10 starts you get from him are going to be league winning. Um, the, the impact as an overall picture, we'll get into his specific stats in a second. The, the way that impacts the whole picture though, with this offense is obviously you're going to expect more rush attempts. In fact, it's one of the very few teams I have at a higher run rate, 51%. Then pass rate, 49%, with 500 rush attempts and 490 uh, uh, rush attempts, or, or pass attempts, rather, sorry. Uh, so that's that's where the biggest change is going to happen is because a lot of those rush attempts are going to go to Trey Lance. Uh, and then just in general, I think they're going to really try to pound that rock and control the clock, which should have an adverse effect on some of the passing game weapons. But certainly for Trey Lance and some of these running backs, could be a real big boost. All right. Well, that answered a lot of my questions. I'll just tell you about the. This is really interesting because on projection, you actually had Jimmy G as your QB 30 and Lance as your QB 32. On the big board, you got Jimmy G as your QB 32 and Lance as your QB 14. So that, I mean, if you think his games are going to be league winning games, well, that answers that question right there. I mean, yep. gut wise, you clearly like him more. Talent wise, you clearly like him more. QB 14 is a borderline starter, but you're thinking once he actually is starting, he's he's a legit starter for any yeah, now, just, and just about any fantasy team. Honestly, I think I'm going to be bumping him to like 11 or 10 today. I have my my pre my big board update coming uh, later tonight after we have a great Bills interview at three o'clock today too. So we're going crazy today. Three three shows for you folks. Uh, Trey Lance was one of these stories of the of the preseason. I'm going to be bumping up his, his completion percentage right, right. now. I'm at 47. It, it wasn't much higher this game, but three of them were drops. Uh, I just, he showed, I, I knew he was talented. He looked that much better. Like I said, I, I really think this guy's going to be the Mahomes. Like in round 10, I, I'm taking Trey Lance, whether I've already taken a quarterback and I have a good safe option. Don't care whether I don't have any quarterback and I need a safer option later. Don't care. Round 10, I'm taking Trey Lance around nine if I have to, uh, considering if his price continues to get bumped up, because I do think he's going to be the one who wins leagues. You look at his playoff schedule, Atlanta, 
He's got the Titans. He's got Houston, three of the worst defenses in the league. He's got the Bengals leading into that too. So 14 to 17, depending on where you set your playoffs, he's going to have monster days. And the big part of those come as a, as a runner. You know, he ran for 1,108 yard ATDs, 1,100 yards ATDs. So right now I have him just for 442 and, and six. That's me in, in half a season. If this guy's the starter for a full year, I kind of split it up 50-50 here. If he's the full season starter, I think he approaches a thousand yards, right around eight hundred and ten TDs. I think he throws for about three thousand and twenty-five. So my projections—that's what's so tricky about this tool—is what I think happens is a lot different than how you, it divides up in this tool. Even again, if it's it's a yeah. short amount of time. But uh, the the case in point, whether the numbers look like it or not, draft Trey Lance every single time you can. Yeah. I got you. All right. Running back, speaking of another uncertain, and actually, you know, even though the numbers were way different on quarterbacks, it actually doesn't seem as uncertain as it seemed on paper when you put it that way. I see where you're yeah. coming from. Uh, running back situation, I don't know if it'll be the same. Uh, we got Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert. Basically, you got them getting about an equal load, right? And you like these guys to combine for like 1,900 yards. Yeah, I, I think that they say that the, the early beat writers say if they can run it 500 times, including Trey Lance's attempts, that's their goal for the season. So that's what I set it at, because I really think they're going to go for that. Just two seasons ago, we saw them approach those type of totals uh, when they, everything was really clicking, when they were all healthy. Uh, the running backs weren't, but everybody else around them was. That just They, they, they fell to injuries last year. But yeah, I, I really think this team is going to that, that Kyle Shanahan zone blocking scheme be by far the other than the Ravens, this team's going to lead the league in rushing yardage. And if Terry Lance takes over sooner, I think they could surpass the Ravens throne. That's the type of offense I'm kind of expecting. If that helps ground it for you, yeah. like a, a Raven style, just pound, 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 bludgeon these teams into submission type of thing. And then take your timely. They'll just have a, a better passer, in my opinion, and Trey Lance, once he does take over. So you got Sermon and Mostert there. You got them both like right around the 30 range, 27, 32, whatever. Like you like them about it. Is there one of these guys you like more? Yeah, as you can see, I have Sermon projected for about 37% of the, the rushing workload, that ground pie of 500 attempts with 32% going to Mostert and 13% going to Lance which would bump up again if he's getting the full season start. I, I think Sermon is going to be the guy. I okay. think Mostert starts the season as the guy, and he is always so fun to watch. I mean, two fastest runs in the NFL last year in the first two weeks. This guy's got game-changing speed. He's like a sports car in that sense, but he's also a sports car, and he's always kind of dinged up and needs a little work and just is always in the shop, it seems, too. And so I think Mostert will have his big days, but I think Sermon, if and when that injury happens – brings so much more to the table in terms of being a complete full down horse. And most of that's not going to be, they, they tried out last year. He got hurt, be a great complimentary piece, might even start, but I think sermon's the one that you can project for more volume might not be quite as efficient as most in there, but this guy is perfect in the zone scheme. It's what he ran in Ohio state. They wanted him because of that. They called and told him we couldn't sit here and wait for you. We trade up and get him in, in round three. And he's just looked great uh, in training camp so far yesterday when Mostert was out, in the preseason, Sermon started, so they're not playing any rookie games. Like, he has to earn this, this number two role. He is it right now. He saw 11 touches right off the bat. I think this guy is going to come in and be a monster. And if and when Mostert goes down, you got yourself a league winner. So that's kind of why, even if they project out to be in a little bit of a timeshare and nibble at each other's cheese, which will happen for a bit, I think the time is going to come at some point that Sermon takes over, whether that's injury or just outplaying Mostert. Uh, and he's really going to shine. But I like them both. I do like their prices right now. You're seventh rounder for Sermon, about an eighth rounder for Mostert. 
I'm going in on either of these guys. I just want one of the running backs, given as you you emphasize. I think this team rushes for about 2,000 total yards. So I want pieces of this backfield, no matter which ones it ends up being. All right, at receiver, Brandon Ayuk, that's a guy that I like going into this year personally. You like him for 1,000 yards, about on 72 catches, eight scores. You got him as your wide receiver, 22 slash 21 on your list. So you're pretty consistent with that. Debo Samuel, little bit more of a discrepancy you got him projected for 42 on your big board you like him actually a lot more at 31 you like him for about 800 yards uh 90 plus receptions three touchdowns any breakdown there is it your gut seems to like Debo maybe a little more than your uh, numbers do yeah I think Debo I just love the player so it's hard to bump him down too low it's just the injury so you know he's gonna get hurt at some point given the way he plays and, and the the history we know, we know he's just going to miss some time. And so, as I was saying with Carson, like it's tough to try to project these out and like factor in an injury, but then not. So he's a tough one to rank here. I think what happens with, with him and why I have him and Ayuk, uh, that, that separation between them, I think Brandon Ayuk, he, he's going to fit what if and when Trey Lance comes in, that, that deep ball. You know, Tebow can get deep, but he's much more of a, a generate the yak opportunities. Maybe the best, if not top five, in terms of once the ball's in his hand. He's like a running back. He's that good and shifty with it. But Ayuk is, is much more, you can get deep. He can run the more complete route tree. So if this passing volume, this pie, gets a little condensed, I think Ayuk's going to end up being the one to benefit from the wide receiver standpoint. Of course, you know the number one option, the guy we have projected for the most targets, is at the tight end position. That's George Kittle, who I have projected for, uh, what do I got here, 25% target share, 23% for Ayuk, and 19% for Debo Samuel. So 110 targets for Ayuk, 120 for Kittle, and 91 for, for Debo. So, you know, you say like 25% target share, that sounds monstrous, but when it's a smaller pie, 120-ish for Kittle, it's not quite as what people say. That's how I project the targets, though. Uh, and as you, you already mentioned, the receiving stats for the other two, 1,008 for Ayuk, 18, uh, and then 792 and three for Debo with another couple touchdowns on the ground at 150, given those creative little ways they get to the, the goal line. But I have Kittle at 1,161 yards on 86 catches and six TDs as, as the main vein of this passing attack. It's just it's so hard to project these guys out when right. we don't know exactly when the quarterbacks are. Like if it was Jimmy G all year, well that that run pass ratio is going to flip completely. If it's Trey Sermon, I mean Trey Lance all year, that's going to also condense it, and the, the target just might go down even if the quality goes up. So it is such a hard one. This is one of the hardest it's teams tough. to project it's outside of like New Orleans and a handful of others. We're going to do later this week. Uh, I really just hope we get. Trey Lance, though, from the top, so I can make an easier projection. And I also can just really just say, I think this guy's you know, top 10 right from the start. Uh, real quick, before we before we head out, where are you picking Kittle in a draft? So he goes, like, late second, early third. I haven't gotten Kittle in any of the early drafts I've done because I just like the running backs and receivers in his range. If I'm going to go a tight end there, I'm going to go Darren Waller over Kittle. Uh, and this is – Tough to say because I think Kittle's the best tight end in the league, both as a receiver and especially as a blocker, the most complete guy. Uh, maybe Kelsey's the best as a receiver, but he doesn't do nearly what Kittle brings to the table as a run blocker. I I just – there's the injury concern given the, the style of play. There's the fact that he's never scored more than five touchdowns, which I don't understand. I don't know That's why. Nuts. Is that, that really true? He's a big body. He's athletic. He can ju- like. I don't get why he doesn't catch touchdowns. I think Shanahan loves using him as a decoy because they just he draws. He's a magnet down there in the red zone for defensive attention. 
Yeah, it's crazy, isn't that, Nat? The fact that he he's right. never had more than five touchdowns. So that I just to me his ceiling's a little more capped, especially again if, if Lance becomes the starter and the, the aerial pie shrinks a little bit. I just I, at his price, give me Allen Robinson, give me Terry McLaurin, give me the running backs in that range like J.K. Dobbins. I, I'm not into George Kittle this year. I, it could be bite me in the ass because I love him so much as a player, but the opportunity cost is too high. If I miss out on Kelsey and I miss out on Waller, I'm probably waiting to like a Hawkinson four rounds later, who I think will have similar stats to Kittle just at that yeah. discount. So thank you guys so much again for tuning in. You can find all of our work at rotorstreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fancy wolves. The fancy full bag dive podcast, if you prefer audio, of course, is available to you wherever you listen. Uh, and that's all I got. You can find me at Rotor Street Wolf, and I'm the wolf. I'm the truth. And in a world full of fantasy sheep, guys, be the wolf. Later, guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. Football right there, folks.